Chapter 7. In the early part of 1948, about five months after I began living with my brother and going to St. Patrick's grade school, life at Tapiac Hall changed as dramatically as when one goes from a semi-dark room to a brilliant light. The change occurred when the hours of occupancy, first of all changed because Danny and I had been the only occupants, and occupancy went to every day from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Up until that time, we had activity once a week, maybe twice a week, but mostly once a week from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., and that was on Fridays when the dances took place. Since Danny and I lived there, the change in Tapiac Hall affected us to the core. We were now not the only occupants of Tapiac. Suddenly, Tapiac Hall became headquarters for a brand new organization, the Bishop's Committee for the Spanish Speaking. One of the things which that office sponsored and opened up was a CYO, Catholic Youth Organization, CYO boxing program, which was set up in the third floor of Tapiac. What was a basketball court immediately became a regular size, regulation size boxing ring, surrounded by punching bags and sandbags and rowing machines, exercise equipment for boxers to practice in. It also changed the complexion of the social life of the teenagers that that building was for. And I'll explain that later. This organization was basically four years old, the Bishop's Committee for the Spanish Speaking. It was run by an office which traveled to various cities of the Southwest, all under the aegis of the Bishop's Conference of the Southwest. In early 1948, the office traveled to El Paso, Texas, chose that diocese to set up the headquarters, and it wound up at 510 North Santa Fe Street, the place where Danny and I lived. The directorship was headed by a Father John Joseph Birch, a priest from the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, but he was on loan to the Bishop's Committee. This office had been in San Antonio and Corpus Christi for three years before, under the direction of a Father Ted Ratke of the Arizona Diocese, and it was scheduled to be in El Paso for three years also. The purpose of the office was to establish programs benefiting underprivileged Mexican-American populations in the cities to which it traveled. And what Father Birch found in El Paso was the welcome of open arms of Bishop Metzger, who offered Tapiac Hall as the space for the new office. It turned out that it was a perfect match for the goals which Father Birch quickly put together in cooperation with Father Gaynor, who had a dance program going for the Southside teenagers from the poor and most disadvantaged El Paso population. The staff for the program, which was paid by the Bishop's Committee for the Spanish Speaking, became like a family to me and to my brother. We continued living there amidst a host of new activities, which, as I mentioned, went from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily, five days a week, and occasionally activities on Saturday and Sunday as well. 
The weekly staff consisted of three secretaries, five young women who knew how to work with youth. They called themselves social workers, but I'm not sure they had a master's in social work, probably not even a, a bachelor's in social work, but they did do social work, and so they worked with the youth. The three men who spearheaded the sports program for the newly established boxing program, they also established a CYO, a Catholic Youth Organization Basketball League for all the Catholic grade schools of El Paso. And I mention that because that affected me since our grade school participated in that league, which also included a tournament at the end of the season. The staff also included one building maintenance engineer and two full-time custodial women. They became responsible for the janitorial upkeep of the building, except for the two offices, the one on the main floor and the one in the mezzanine. Those two offices were left for Danny and I to keep clean. And so we belonged to the staff. I was the youngest in the whole group and began to receive attention, adult attention, like I had never known before, since I was the only kid around. The five young women, all in their early 20s, soon grouped the dancing jitterbuggers into social clubs, where they learned parliamentary procedures for organizations by actively being in a club which was run according to parliamentary procedure. Robert's Rules, to be specific. The youth workers taught them how to set up such a club for themselves. And soon, there were eight to ten. There were eight to ten such clubs with 30 to 50 members in each. And they all met at different times. Sometimes the huge dance floor had two meetings going on, one at each end. There were maybe two meetings going on in the basement area. The three staff males, were in their late 20s and early 30s. One of those men did have a master's in social work. He was good in organizing. A coach was brought in from the Los Angeles Catholic Youth Organization and was hired to be the official trainer for the whole boxing program, which in two years was golden gloves, gold, golden gloves worthy, and in fact the winner of several gold gloves tournament, at gold, uh, several titles in the Gold Gloves tournament. I continued running the soda department and continued uh, uh, cleaning, as mentioned, the offices. But I need to tell you something that was an interesting happening as a consequence of my firm interest in becoming above average in grades. And that was a sudden drive to pick up some pamphlets for high schoolers that the five women had set up to for the teenagers to develop an interest in reading material other than was required for them in school. And it turned out that Father Birch was told that I was picking up some of those pamphlets and materials and was surprised and asked me, what I was reading, and what I understood about what I was reading. And he found out that I was understanding material, which was several grades higher than my seventh grade level. He was impressed and casually told the rest of the staff 
that I was smart beyond my years. Practically all began treating me, believing that because he did, because Father Birch believed that. So that alone prompted me to try even harder to study seriously and hard and to change myself, to challenge myself, to understand books above my seventh and eighth grade level. What resulted from that was that my seventh and eighth grade materials became much easier to learn because I was struggling to learn or understand material higher than that level. The attention that I received from the women in particular was by way of them asking me, like an interested aunt or an interested older sister, they asked me what I was studying, what was my favorite subject, why did I think it was my favorite subject, what about the parties I was going to, what, would we, what did we do at those parties. They asked me whether I had a girlfriend, what else was I reading besides school assignments? All of this made me feel like I really belonged to their group. They all acted like a big family. And so I was part of a big family, which included my brother Danny. And as I say, I continued running the soda department and continued cleaning the mentioned offices and wound up being paid $15 a week for doing that. But I was paid with a check. I had never been paid with a check. And because I was being paid by, with a check, like everybody else on staff, they needed to take Social Security from me. And I didn't know what that was. And of course, I started learning about Social Security. And they tell me where I need to go to get a Social Security card, which was another foothold on my part to being grown up. But with my earning capacity going up, I was considerably, I was learning, earning considerably more than anything any of my peers were making. As I mentioned earlier, the Father Caffrey, who had been in Las Cruces and our coach to boot, had been assigned to the El Paso Diocese Cathedral as its new rector. He's the one who gave the okay for me to go to St. Patrick's Elementary tuition-free. Many years prior, before I even found out about it, he had told my mom back in Las Cruces that all of us in my family, Frankie, Danny, Betty, me, Alex, and Mo, could attend Holy Cross totally free. So we all did. I did till the sixth grade, as I mentioned. I've never computed how many thousands of dollars that saved my mom, but I know instinctively that it was a lot of thousands in charity to us because Father Caffrey knew that my mom was raising us as a single mother since there was no husband in sight. I don't know if he knew that she took an ironing to make a living and that was using an iron iron, literally, one that requires some sort of a cloth because it's so hot. You put the iron on top of a coal-burning stove, and you keep another one while you're using one, and the one that you're using grows cold. You put it back on the, on the stove, and you pick up the hot one. Or she would take jobs at small restaurants and meet the dishwasher and clean her up of the kitchen. The last employment she had, which paid the most, was as a hotel maid. And it was a very small hotel. It had 20 rooms, but she was the only one that cleaned them 
And she earned $21. My mother had gone to the sixth grade in a very small New Mexico town. When she finished sixth grade, her mother told her that she had to quit because she was the oldest in the family and her mother needed her to help with the younger children. And so she never had a formal education beyond the sixth grade. This particular piece of family history was normal life for us, but it also put us on alert to try to supplement our mom's earnings. I was fortunate to be earning the $15 a week plus the profit from the soda sales in my seventh grade and eighth grade years. Then another source of income opened up to me without any solicitation on my part. But it wasn't just income that went up. It was also more adult attention. This is what happened. Father Caffrey's Cathedral Church had three novena services every Friday, one at 3 p.m., one at 7 p.m., and one at 8 p.m. He had had the same novena in Las Cruces. The people that attended the novenas could do so by following a novena booklet, and these novena booklets were sold at the rectory on Fridays. But the buyers of those novena books interfered with the parish secretary's duties of answering the phone and her other duties. So I was asked as a seventh and eighth grader to go after school from 3.30 and stayed till 8 p.m. every Friday. That way the secretary did not have to stay late, nor did it interfere with her other duties. For this, I earned an extra $7 that week. My earning was now $29. I was earning more than my mother was. My agreement to go live with my brother continued to pay off in so many ways, so many levels. And each level was superior to the former one, a transforming level every time. I mentioned that Tapiac Hall was one block from the tracks. I was also two block it was also two blocks further to the Greyhound bus station. I would frequently hop a bus once a week, sometimes twice a week, to go see my mother. I would go see her and help augment her income. Danny sometimes went with me, but he didn't have to go with me for it to be a safe thing for me to do, to either go or come. I could do it alone. And now that the users of surface service at Tapiac Hall were more serious-minded teenagers than the ones who had originally come just for dancing and for pool. I met a whole host of different teens, more serious either because they either took their club enrollment more seriously as a social outlet or because they were enrolled in boxing, in the boxing program. And those participants viewed their sport as seriously as most athletes view their sport. So I had wonderful conversations with boys, both teenage boys and teenage girls on dance nights or, or nights when they were meeting there in their social clubs. As I grew older from seventh and eighth grade in my social contact with my social contact with the five youth workers, particularly, grew more in frequency and in depth. Two of them in particular I regarded as older sisters, whom I was absolutely thrilled to be associated with. The attention I received now 
not just from Father Birch and Father Gaynor, but also from the priests at the rectory at the cathedral, where I went every Friday. They usually hung around in a room that was adjacent to the secretaries, before the novenas, after the novenas, before lunch, before dinner, after dinner. At that rectory, I also developed a son-slash-mom relation with a cook there. She saw her son in me. At that time, her son was apparently 22, 23 years old. But every time she saw me, she saw what her son used to look like. And since my mom was away in Las Cruces and the cook knew that, she volunteered to go to school functions, which called for at least one parent to be present. She went to be present for me. Another reason for feeling that my status in the world was immensely different than it had been in small town Las Cruces. With all these new relationships in my life, I could not help but remember how it was the first seven months of living with my brother, when the only activity at that Tapiac Hall was at most, most of the time, one dance a week, seven to ten. What happened during the week was a lot of alone time, time which I did not mind due to all the perks I was enjoying in my newly acquired status. But the alone time occurred when I came home, say 3, 3.30 from school, and I came to an empty building. At the beginning, I tried to develop a liking for the game of pool. I lived in a place that had three pool tables. I had the key to the pool equipment. My brother Danny was an ace at snooker. I used to watch him play snooker on Saturdays. But since I was playing pool alone and I had no instruction, I soon tired of going to play pool. And so I started going outside. I'd lock the door behind me and go to the park in front and just lay on the grass, people watching. But there I spotted a group of regulars who were just like my age, three boys and one girl. The girl looked like she was more mature than any of the three companions. They played tricks on one another. They chased each other and just horse playing, hollering and laughing. I enjoyed seeing them. But I never approached them, and they never approached me. They saw me. They watched me watching them many times. But I never got the nerve to go up to them. It was like I could not admit to them my loneliness. But my brother would soon come, I would tell myself, and I would be okay. Once activity picked up at Tapiac, or around near, early in 48, I never went to the park again. So I never saw those three. But I never forgot the pretty girl. I later found out from the girl that I made my girlfriend in eighth grade at St. Patrick's that she and that girl turned out to be cousins. So I did find, find out her name and I kept up with her by inquiring about her until I finally heard that she had gotten married as she was married by a priest who was a good friend of mine. 